Hey, thanks for joining us. You're listening to Living Fountains with Pastor Jim Stewart of Calvary Chapel, Kansas City. Today, we're in the New Testament in the book of John. If you're in a place to grab your Bible and follow along with us, we invite you to do so. And if you'd like more information on Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, you can visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. Now, let's join Pastor Jim for today's study. In verse 38, we kind of pick up this this story. They entered the village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Now, Jesus' response, he, said, he answered her and said, in verse 41, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed. She's busy making all kinds of stuff, right? Putting a whole thing together, busy gathering everything, making it right, making sure the dirt floor is vacuumed and stuff, and making sure, you know, just, you know, but you gather, you, you gals know what it's like when there's a little bit of a gathering at the house. You know, the bathroom needs to be spiffed out real quick. The, even if it's a last minute n- notification, there's all the scurry to get things done. When my wife goes in to clean the bathroom, I just look at it, man, it's just the boys coming over. You know what happens, you know? Why clean it? It's, see, it makes a lot more sense to me just clean it after they've been here. But it just doesn't go that way. It's just we got to get in there and clean it up. And so she gets in there, spiffs out the house and cleans things up. And, and I understand. It's, it's rightly so. I'm, I'm, you know, my presence is requested at these gatherings and to be a helper in this stuff. But it's interesting that Jesus said one thing. You didn't need to do all this other stuff. Hey, fine, we don't need a, a bunch of stuff to eat. We just need something to eat. It's not just, just one thing. Don't, don't get so caught up in all of these things. But her heart is to serve, and she wants to to have things right. Mary has chosen a good part, which will not be taken away from her. Mary's Mary's doing a good thing. I'm I'm not going to switch you out. Mary's sitting at the feet, listening and and gathering and just kind of worshiping the Lord. I don't know that it's so much that, that Martha's busted, really, by the Lord, as it's just kind of a, hey, that's who you are, Martha. You're concerned about those kind of things, and, and that's okay. But don't overdo and miss the main things that the Lord's, that's so important. I think if we were to look at this account now before us from John's account, you're almost too busy, and that blessing that you can experience, that joy of service, can kind of end up missing when we become obsessed with the service. The service was being done unto the Lord and left unto the Lord. When we do it that way, there's a joy within it because we're just doing it unto the Lord. The end is that we might enjoy the Lord, that we might enjoy his presence, that there would be limited distraction, that there would be this opportunity to just have everybody feel welcomed and soak up the person of the Lord. 
But in her serving, she got too busy, and she's not really getting the idea of being blessed. And Jesus really just wants her to be with him, wants her to want that. This is the key when you have that kind of a a personality, that kind of a gifting that you want to serve that way. Remember that what the goal might be, that the goal needs to be wanting to be with him and that making things comfortable for those around who want to be with them, and that the service should be able to be done really with joy and not with complaining. Martha's real issue is that she becomes sidetracked with what Mary is or isn't doing. So what, Mary, what Martha is doing in her service isn't necessarily all bad, The serving, you know, there's a gift in the Bible, and one of the gifting is the gift of helps. And in the gift of helps is very focused on serving the Lord. Wouldn't you say the gift of helps is very focused that way? And so I think in seeing this, there's nothing that detracts from a heart to serve. But we need to know that it's done out of the overflow of his presence and that it is done out of joy in our hearts. That we're doing that, not dutifully, but because we have joy in our heart to do it. And that we want to make people feel at home and comfortable. That they might receive all that they can receive from being around the master. So A, the first thing is that aspect of serving. Just simple serving. The things that we do in our serving. As Christians, we are all called to serve the Lord. In some capacity or another, we're all called to serve him. And in our serving... One of the strengths that we have is that joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. This is what was said in Nehemiah as they're building the wall. The joy of the Lord is our strength. We want to find joy from the Lord. Joy comes from within. It's not just the excitement of the circumstances around, but it comes from within. I want to please the Lord, so I'm going to do these things. Now, if you find yourself getting caught in the complaining side of it, and you're doing it grudgingly, Pull back, retreat a bit, spend some time with the Lord, regroup because your heart's not in the right place. That's a bummer. And you know, really, to be honest with you, it doesn't take long to regroup. Well, I'm gonna pull out of ministry for a while. Be careful. You pull out, you might just pull all the way out, you know? You, gotta, you don't wanna unplug too much. You know, because God's got a calling. His, his calling and gifting is irrevocable, the Bible says. So we don't wanna be self-determined on that. We wanna just say, hey, Lord, whoo, I need to get my head, I need a tune-up. I need to tune into you. I need to get my dial adjusted. I need to be focused on you and what this is really about. So in our service, we want to do it with joy, without complaining. If you find yourself complaining, you're the one in the flesh, not the Lord, not the other people. You see? You got to know that. You got to be open. I'm speaking frankly with you, I know. Because this isn't just a a male-female thing. This idea of serving the Lord is across the board. It's it's not gender respective. And so, you know, men and women in our service, man, we want to do it with joy in our hearts unto the Lord. The next thing we find in B is we see what is Lazarus doing? What's he all about? Well, one of the greatest things that we find is that he is really bearing witness of who Jesus is. He has a testimony and he's bearing witness. And as I've mentioned several times when we've gone over this type of thing before, and yet he's, there's no, nothing recorded that he's ever said in the, in the Bible. 
Nothing recorded that we have that he said. This is the power of a resurrected life when we give our lives to Jesus Christ. So this is for all of us, isn't it, as Christians? This is for every one of us as followers of Jesus Christ. If we've been born again, we too were taken from death into life. We have the newness of life within us. We've been born again. And so we've been resurrected. We have a resurrected life. The mere fact that you are not destined for hell is certainly reason for celebration, A, and certainly, certainly bears witness and testifies of the power of the cross and the resurrection itself. And the mere fact that you're alive. Look at verse 9 through 11 in chapter 12 of John's account. Now, a great many of the Jews knew that he was there, Jesus was there, that he was at Lazarus' house, and they came, not for Jesus' sake only, sure, they wanted to hear Jesus, see Jesus, but that they might also see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. You see, people come and they want to ask you, why all this stuff is going on in your life, why are you, why are you seem like you're happy? This makes no sense at all. They want to challenge that. They want to make inquiry of that. And you should be able to say, hey, it's not me. Or just they're looking on at your life, just the fact that you have some kind of joy in your life in general. The fact that you've gone from death to life. The chief priests prodded to put Lazarus to death also. They want to get rid of him too. Because on account of him, many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. Just because he was alive, because there was a transformation from death to life. There was a testimony, a witness that was there. Isn't this what's spoken of in Acts 1-8? That the Spirit was given, that there was an empowerment given to us, not so that we could do some fancy thing and throw the Spirit around the room or something, or act like we were, that's ridiculous. That's making a circus and a mockery of the things of the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God was given and poured out that we might be witnesses of the power of the resurrection itself, that we might testify that your life, that my life might testify of who Jesus really is, that, hey, he's still alive and he's still working through the power of his Holy Spirit. It's not just about the miraculous. The miraculous thing is, is that you've been born again, that you and I met Jesus Christ, that we're not living the same life we used to live. If your life looks like the rest of this world, please, please make an adjustment. Ask God, God, is this what I'm supposed to look like? And I'm not talking about your clothing. I'm talking about your demeanor. I'm talking about your outlook, your view. Are you looking at things from a biblical worldview? Secular worldview? It's very popular to look at it from a very secular standpoint. People don't want to talk about sin. They don't want to talk about the ramifications of sin. As a matter of fact, there are many believers, supposed Christians today, that aren't even sure whether there's really a literal heaven and a literal hell. They're just not sure about all that. And they're not sure of how a loving God could condemn others to, and sentence them to hell. Well, one, you're not reading your Bible right. You sentence yourself to hell. God doesn't do that. God just acknowledges, hey, you don't want to spend any time with me. You don't love me. You don't want to follow me. 
Great, you'll go into forever and ever not following me and you'll be separated from me. That's hell, separated from God. Outer darkness. I wish that upon no human being on the face of this earth. I've read through, I understand it now. The reality of this is we have a witness, a testimony that we can share. The mere fact that God changed you. The reality is, is we watched on a video on Wednesday night not too long ago, of where we need to have a passion for that. We need to be concerned for those around us. It's, it's just a truth from the Bible that there would be a natural burden and a desire to connect with other people and to point them to Jesus Christ. It's interesting. A brand new believer needs to be told very little about that. It happens by the Spirit of God moving through them axiomatically. What's a bummer about it? is somehow as time goes by, we get a little bit jaded, we get a little bit weird in our minds, and ultimately, as one of them had said one time, you will either evangelize or fossilize. And you know, we can think about that, and we think, that's, that's pretty funny. I think it's pretty funny, I, I, I do, but I just like the terminology of it, but evangelize or fossilize. But think about that, how true that is how energizing and exciting it is when we get to share with someone or someone's making inquiry and say, hey, I see something different going on in your life. And they talk, and you get to talk with them about the Lord. There's kind of a, a, a dynamic that goes on. We, we certainly want to be feeding the flock of God here at Calvary Chapel. I, I desire that. I want to feed you the word of God. In so doing, want to do what it says in Ephesians 4, verse 11, 12, and so on, that there would be the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. And, and in so doing, there's this aspect of evangelism that takes place. It's the byproduct. Healthy sheep reproduce. They multiply. Healthy sheep reproduce. They have more sheep. And so there's this natural byproduct that would take place in the believer's life. But what I think can happen, because we're culturally kind of in this thing of, well, you know, we don't want to get in any, because our world today is pushing us away as Christians. We don't want what you have. Oh, yes, you do. See, I don't believe that. I'm not going to take that. I'm not going to take no for an answer in that, because I don't believe that's true. I think they really do want what we have. They may not know that, but I think they really do, because everybody wants love. Everybody wants to be forgiven. You and I know what it's like to carry around that guilt and that shame of sin. I know what it's like. That's a burden I don't want to ever pick up again. It's horrible, the weight of that and what transpires when you carry that around, lugging that around with you. Oh, set us free. Thank you, Lord, for that. This idea to either evangelize or fossilize. And I believe it is true that as we share our faith, it develops our joy and our excitement again as we get to convey to others the hope that we have within us. It's a natural thing for us to do. Again, there's nothing recorded that Lazarus ever said, but just the fact that he was alive. He was alive was a testament. Can you imagine? Oh, look, that's the guy that came out of the tomb. Can you imagine being a little kid and seeing all that? I remember that day. We're out throwing rocks down by the creek. The next thing you know, there's this big crowd. We went over to see what the crowd was doing. There's all these people around. There's this one guy that starts calling out to this tomb. They push this rock away, and this guy hops out. <laughs> now, I remember a few days earlier, about four days earlier, I was playing down there before, and everybody was crying. They were lugging this corpse into there. 
this dead guy, and all of a sudden he's hopping out. Yeah, I think that's life-changing. How many of you came hopping out of the tomb? I came hopping out of the tomb one day. You know, we're alive. In Jesus Christ, we are alive because of what he has done for us. We have a witness, a testimony to share with others. Man, don't bottle it up. You say, well, I don't know that much. Well, so what? Neither do I. You don't need to know that much. If you know Jesus loves you and that Jesus loves the world, you sung it when you were a little kid, if you went to church anywhere, ever. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. You're, you're home free. You know, if you know that much, you're, you're good to go. You can share your hope and the, and the love and the, and the grace and the goodness that God's forgiven you and that you found excitement in a relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, the thing is, Satan wants to get in and rip you off for your excitement about a relationship with Jesus Christ. And he wants to get you anesthetized. Just kind of numb, basically. And then you just kind of walk around in your numb bubble and you bump up against a few other numb bubbles. But nothing never really happens, does it? Why? Man, maybe we need to be praying. God, use these conversations. Help, man, Lord, touch these people that I work with. On Tuesday mornings, oftentimes with the guys, that's what we're praying for. Guys are praying for the people that they work with, the people that are around them. Lord, man, use those opportunities, those situations that I might be able to share my faith. I guess the real question to us as individuals, to me, to you, to all of us, where are we? Are we in the evangelizing process or are we kind of in the fossilizing process? It's pretty individual, but it also can impact us as as a group, as a body of believers too. There's a a third thing here, a a C. So we had A, Martha with her commitment and her serving to the the Lord and the importance of of having a right heart in that. We also then see Lazarus, man, what a great example. This is parts of what the body is like, the body's to look like this. And it's just great that Lazarus is there reaching out and and just, just because of he's been saved, basically, because he's been taken from death to life, which is what happened to us, there is this witness that's there. And I think that's what God wants to do in and through all of our lives. And I think it's not an accident that there's nothing recorded. Just the mere fact that he's been transformed is powerful. This is the last one, see. What was Mary doing? She was a worshiper, wasn't she? She just had a heart for, for, for keeping her eyes fixed on Jesus. If Jesus was around, she was going to sit and she was going to listen. She was just a worshiper. She just loved to be in the presence of the Lord. She wanted to hear from him. Now, it's interesting that she had taken this ointment, this, this wonderful fragrance, and it was her dowry. And it, it was one year's salary, money-wise. And it was very important to her. It was very significant to her. And I think there's no doubt we can't take anything away from the fact that worship, true worship, sometimes costs us. It may cost us a reputation to some extent of what people may think. And then I look back and I read, well, Jesus made himself of no reputation. (laughs) What am I worried about? If the King of kings and the Lord of lords, God the Son, chooses to make himself of no reputation, I certainly don't need to be worried about it especially regarding our worship. It was sacrificial, no doubt about it, and it was done in total humility, we can see. And there's something that was very interesting 
as she does this, then all of a sudden, there's a critical spirit that comes into the scene. That, that, this really interests me. I don't think this is far from many of us, unfortunately. And God help us. That's all I can say for me, for you, for all of us. God help us. Is that in verse 5, the first word is why. Why are they doing that? Why are they raising their hands? Why are they singing with their eyes closed? Why are they, like, why are tears running down some of their cheeks? Why? That's pretty critical, don't you think? Pretty analytical. Pretty unhealthy. It's a bummer. It just flat out is. It's just a bummer. And yet, it's what we see happening as Judas looks on, and, it, and I don't think it's far off. The world looks on. We just don't want to be that as the body. That's part of the thing. We're going to have, be open in our worship, our adoration of who the Lord is. I'm telling you, this is part of the thing. These all three you work together. That's when it's all knit together. That's what that looks like. They're all working together. They're all connected. All three of these things are very significant. Our service to the Lord are being able to just live out a life that testifies of, of who Jesus is in our, in our lives. The fact that we're bringing people along. Evangelism simply is gathering in. That's really what it means to gather, to bring people in. Bring people along. Take them with you where you're going. Use that influence, that sphere of influence that you have for the Lord. But Judas he looked at all this as we got to Mary's worship and there was analytical, critical viewing as she sought to worship Jesus. And then the comment comes up, hey, this was really a waste. Really. Look at what Jesus' statement is in verse 7 about her worship of him. <laughs> Let her alone. Leave her alone. Let her worship. Leave her be. She has kept this for the day of my burial. Interesting that she had kept that and that she's using it now, some week in advance of the crucifixion and being put behind the tomb. You know, the other Mary that showed up, Mary Magdalene showed up to anoint his body, you remember, with spices and different things. Remember that? When she came to the tomb. Two different Marys. Mary Magdalene came to do that. This Mary had already done this in advance. Hi, this is Pastor Jim. Thanks again for listening to the Bible study today, and I trust that God is speaking to your heart. Oftentimes when we hear God's word, it kind of pricks our hearts and there's a, a, a desire to respond. And I want to give you that opportunity to respond to God today by giving your life to Jesus if you've never given your life to Jesus. And if you want that free gift of salvation, everlasting life, it's yours. All you have to do is pray a simple prayer of faith. And maybe you just need to get right with God. Maybe you've walked with God at some point in your life, but you're just not walking with him today and want to get right with him. This is an opportunity for you. You know, many make fun of of Jesus' second coming, that they're wondering, hey, is Jesus ever going to come back? And they make fun of it, kind of asking, where's the promise of his coming? You know, trying to 
to act like God's forgotten about us. Well, God's not forgotten about you, me, or, or this world. But the real reality is the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know, that's God's heart, is that we would get to that place of repentance. That means to turn away from something and to begin to follow something else, turning away from our sin and our sinful thoughts and our sinful actions in our lives that are so destructive, and then willingly follow him. That's his desire, that we wouldn't perish, but that we'd have everlasting life. If you'd pray a simple prayer of faith with me right now, right where you are, right whatever's going on in your life, if you just take this brief moment from your heart to pray this prayer and just ask Jesus, Jesus, I want to ask that you would forgive me of all my sin. I know I'm a sinner and I need a Savior, and I want to ask that you would be my personal Lord and Savior, that you'd come into my heart, make my heart your home. And that I would begin this new life, this new journey with you, Jesus. I thank you so much for loving me, and I thank you for forgiving me. I give my life to you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed and received the Lord into your heart today, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us or another Bible teaching church in your area so you can be encouraged in your new journey. If you'd like more information about Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, simply visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. If you're in the Kansas City area and you'd like to join us for worship, the service times and directions can be found at calvarychapelkc.com. It's been great spending time with you today in God's Word, and we look forward to you joining us next time on Living Fountains. Jesus, come.